Hey, this is David Hayter. You may know me as the screenwriter of films like X-Men, X-Men 2, and Watchmen, but you probably know me best as the voice of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Kept you waiting, huh? The Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, is brought to you by these contributors on Patreon. If you'd like to see more content like this more often, as well as more podcasts, reviews, impressions, early access releases, live streams, and original content, then consider becoming a patron today. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Casanova. I'm coming at you with another phenomenal interview. And today we are honored to have the honor and privilege of interviewing the iconic and legendary David Hayter. Now, David Hayter is he's so many things. He's a, he's a screenwriter. He's a director, a producer. He's an actor and a voice actor. He's been, he's had a career that's lasted more than 30 years. He's worked on so many different projects from writing the screenplays for both X-Men 1 and X2, as well as the Scorpion King, Wolves, and Watchmen. And he's also, as many of you guys know, the voice of the iconic and legendary video game character from the legendary video game franchise, Solid Snake and big boss in metal gear and it's just this is going to be a phenomenal episode because we're going to talk about a lot of things from not only voice acting screenwriting producing directing and more we're also going to be talking about things that he enjoys like the, the things that he has a passion for his fun times his de-stressors and so much more so if you're ready to do it i'm ready to do it let's go ahead and welcome david onto the show waiting huh all right and welcome everyone to another episode of hawaii's number one podcast the casanova podcast i'm your host michael casanova i've got such it is it, such an honor to be able to introduce to the show the legendary the iconic david hater <laughs> well thank you michael i really appreciate you having me on the show it's just, it's an honor yes yeah, so it's 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 more of an honor for me because Dude, I grew up with you as the voice of Solid Snake. You know, I've oh, watched yeah. many of the films that you've written and produced, and and it's just, it's, oh my god, it's, it's a dream come true. <laughs> well, that's that's very kind of you to say, and I and I appreciate that. And I, I guess all I can say is, Mikel, you're pretty good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, um, let's go ahead, and we're, we're gonna go into this show and, and talk a little bit about yourself, but. 
you know, go ahead and, and plug like any of the, uh, you know, the projects you're working on, your social media links. And I'll also leave those in the description below the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, currently working on, uh, well, I have a show coming out on Netflix uh, mm-hmm. called, called Warrior Nun, okay. um, which will be coming out shortly. I, I know when it's coming out, but I don't think I'm allowed to say yet. Okay. Um, but that's, but I've seen it and it's pretty good and I'm very excited for everybody else to see it. Uh, what else am I doing? I don't know. I did, um, did a bunch of video games this year. Uh, not sure which ones I'm allowed to talk about, but I did like a bloodstained ritual of the night and, yep. um, did a little indie game called steam dolls out of France, which was very cool. And, uh, yeah, and the other ones, I, I I never know what I'm allowed to talk about in in advance, but I've been pretty very busy this year, which is nice. Yeah, and and, and for the audience, uh, you know, for any of the actors, voice actors, or anyone who's working on projects, uh, there are things that people, you know, we have to adhere to called non disclosure agreements. So correct, we can't, we, we cannot speak on it. Um, yeah, it's a so. it's a it's a shame, but then it makes it more exciting when it comes out. So definitely, that's just the way it works. <laughs> So, uh, you know, let's, let's go in, into like a little bit of a brief background about yourself. Like you're not only, you know, an actor and a voice actor, but you're also a, a screenwriter, you know, a director and a producer. Like that's you're uh, you're, you're you're basically the renaissance man. <laughs> yes, I'm a multi hyphenate, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I came out to Hollywood to, to just to be an actor. I didn't really see any way to to do those other jobs. And I, mm. along the way, I, I, uh, I learned about producing and, and writing and eventually directing. And, um, and I, you know, I think a lot of actors get to a point in their lives where they realize, you know, no matter how big an actor you become, you'll, you'll never really have any control over what you play mm-hmm. uh, unless you, you're Tom Cruise and you buy your own studio or, or what have you. But, Failing that, you know, it's it's tough to have control over your career. And, you know, what I found, once you become a writer, you're able to create content, you're able to create shows, movies, and um, and uh, it's it, it might be more fun to be an actor, but it's more satisfying to be able to sort of guide your career in that way. Yeah. And what has, you know, with your career over the last 30 years, like, how would you say, like, your journey has been in this booming industry like from everything that you've done has it been like what are some of the ups and some of the downs (laughs) oh well uh let's see i um some of the ups were get my 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 first screenwriting job was the movie x-men uh Mm -hmm. so that was a crazy sort of bolt of lightning occurrence uh and um well, getting Watchmen made after nine years of work was 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 pretty good, and getting Snake, uh, I remember the moment that it happened, and that was amazing. Um, you know, it's 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 mostly upside. Uh, there's been, I mean, I've probably written thirty films that haven't gotten made, which wow. is always discouraging. And yeah, you people don't understand just how much you have to write just to survive in this business, and how few of those scripts get made. I'm going to move mm-hmm. so you can see some of the stuff in my office. Awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, so there is a constant level of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's my Saturn award up there and watching nice. and Wolverine claws, my Batman mask, all that stuff. Nice. Um, so, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely not a business for the faint of heart. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're an A-lister one day and then the next day you're, you're down and all the cliches are, are true and you just have to, you know, persevere and not take it too, too personally. And, uh, don't let the upsides, you know, blind you to the reality and don't let the downsides depress you too much. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And as far as like getting into like the entertainment industry, like that you've been acting, you know, since you were uh, a teenager, correct? So uh, like, since I was nine, actually. Okay, so well, just just shy of being a teenager. That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, how, how did um, how did you get into not only you know 
acting and 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 screenwriting directing and but also voice acting like what was the the inspiring moment that had you like yes this is what i want to do uh well um i got into voice acting because i'd done a lot of theater i started in theater when i when i was nine and and mm-hmm. so i'd sort of train my voice so you could hear hear it across the room and um you know i had a pretty good set of pipes and i could do a bunch of accents and stuff uh the first job i was living in japan i, I was going to high school there when i was uh 16 mm-hmm. and a video game company came and said we need four guys that speak english to do voices for video games and so that was for like mid 80s arcade games so mm-hmm. I, um and that was really fun and i started doing english language tapes but it wasn't um until i was oh, i don't know 21, 22, I was in LA and I got cast in Captain Planet mm-hmm. to do a couple of episodes as a, as a guest person. And uh, I went to the casting director and I said, look, I've never done this before and I'm a little nervous. And uh, it, was, it was Chris Zimmerman who ended up directing the Metal Gear games. Wow. <laughs> um, the, the voice uh, acting in, in the Metal Gear games. And uh, she said, oh, just take your script and go sit over there and go over your script and we'll call you and it'll, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I backed out of the room and I ran straight into John Reese davies who... Um, I was actually just with him uh, a couple of months ago at uh, Hawaii yeah. Con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing guy. <laughs> yeah, and we, we recently became friends. And, and But that was my... I was like, oh my God, it's Sala from Raiders Lost Ark. And then yeah. I was like, oh, excuse me. And I turned around and I bumped into Mark Hamill. And mm-hmm. I was like this is pretty good you know like this seems like <laughs> and then we did the episode and it was just so fun and margot kidder was was on that episode and um a bunch of amazing voice actors and uh and the thing about voice acting is everybody's so nice and there's yeah. really not a lot of ego everybody's just there to have fun do the job and 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 be talented and and uh it was such a nice atmosphere that i you know i was like i really want to do this then i got then I got cast as Captain America on the mid '90s yep. Spider-Man show, uh, so I was Captain America, and uh, and uh, and that was always my dream to play superheroes. To play, you know, I wanted to be Harrison Ford. Basically, I wanted to be an action hero, and um, in that small way, I I, I get to do that. So uh, that's how it started. Nice, nice, nice. And, um, you know, what have been in, in for, for you, like what have been some of your favorite projects to you know work on in any capacity, be it, you know, acting, writing, producing, voice acting? Uh, you know, it's a boring answer, but I, I, I kind of all of them. I mean, <laughs> anytime you can get paid to play a super soldier or to write a movie about, you know, I have superheroes or, 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 you know, all of these jobs are just enormously fun to do. I mean, some of them are extremely difficult and filled with stress, mm-hmm. uh, particularly film production. And then, you know, you're dealing with, with really serious issues, but there's nothing better than being on set and seeing the sets and the cables and the stunts and the actors. And it's just, I, I I'm very, very fortunate that I've been able to live my life this way um but i guess i mean specifically look i love i knew i knew working on the first metal gear that it was going to be huge that it was going to be a groundbreaking um piece and uh and then being able to play the game and being you know snake was was really cool for me as a as a gamer Mm -hmm. um working on the first x-men movie and you know making up action sequences for wolverine that was pretty cool yeah uh writing dialogue for ian mckellen and patrick stewart you know that's that's not too shabby Uh, so you know i've got to i've been able to do some amazing things you know i went to just working on uh, my movie wolves we we Mm. were initially scouting um australia as a possible location so the australian government flew me to sydney and melbourne and gave me yeah, gave me and put me up in these amazing hotels, took me out to all these incredible dinners. And then during the day, they would give me a helicopter so I could fly around Australia looking for locations. So those were those were a pretty good couple of weeks. Nice. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, the stuff I get to do, I've scouted 
I scouted Transylvania for wolves, went to it like a ski hill in, in Romania and Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you know, I get to visit, you know, I visited Sam Raimi on the Spider-Man two set and wow. you know, it's just, it's just Hollywood, man. You'd suddenly, suddenly you're walking, you, you know, you're walking down the, down the, um, across the lot at Sony or something. And somebody goes, Oh, Hey Dave, you know, come in here and you walk in and, <laughs> and you're on the Spider-Man set. And it's, it's just, um, you know, and I, I, again, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy or that it's without stress. Cause it's certainly yeah. not that, but, but the stuff that happens, I mean, I flew to, uh, London last year, maybe, maybe two years ago now. Um, for a comic con and I got mm-hmm. in touch with my friend, Chris McQuarrie, who was directing mission impossible fallout at the time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Hey, why don't you come down to the studio? So it was straight off the plane, me and my family, we went down to, uh, to the studio where were they, where they were shooting and they, and they had the, um, they had this truck underwater in mm-hmm. a huge water tank that they were spinning around. They had that actor in there as the water's like coming in on him. So, so I'm sitting there and then Simon Pegg walks up and Tom Cruise walks up and they're all like, you know, and Chris is like, Oh, this is my friend Dave. <laughs> I'm like, hello, you know, and Henry Cavill's out there and it, you know, so this, this Hollywood life is, is, uh, is pretty cool, especially if you're a nerd, like, like me. It's gotta be surreal. Like when surreal. you're, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's surreal. It's surreal. I got to do, let's see. I got to, I was executive producer of a movie called A Christmas Horror Story. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole runner with William Shatner playing a DJ who's getting progressively drunker as the night goes on. Mm-hmm. And at one point they said, um, we want to get some callers to call in and have have uh, Bill Shatner, you know, uh, react to them. Mm-hmm. So the producer turns to me and he goes, David, do you want to just run improv lines with uh, with Bill for half an hour? And I was like, yeah. I do. Who wouldn't? Right. You know, and so I got to sit for half an hour and just sort of run, you know, make up, do little improvs with him and he would joke around and it was freaking awesome. So, so it's a good life, I have to say, but I'm very, very fortunate that I've been able to survive and, you know, own a house and stuff like that. It doesn't happen that way for everybody. Wow. That's, dude, that's amazing. And, you know, like just speaking of like uh, Wolves, the movie Wolves that you, know wrote and directed and produced mm-hmm. um okay. what was like the Show inspiration it the, there it is Get there you go there i is. see it <laughs> what, what was what was it like to work on it like what what was the the oh, see, oh no. a, i got attacked by my curtain oh no the set's hey. coming apart it it's is. become a disaster movie <laughs> well, what was the um the inspiration for for writing that movie and not only that, but how is it like working with like my fellow Hawaiian Jason Momoa? <laughs> well, that is an experience in and of itself. Uh, uh, Wolves came to get Marvel had talked to me about doing a movie based on a property called Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really want to do that. It, you know, it just I don't know. It didn't didn't really speak to me. And I said to the producers, I was like, "Look, I'll I'll write you a werewolf movie." Um, if that's what you want. And so they, they did. And I used my um, experiences as a, as a teen in high school. Um, yeah. I used to get pushed around a lot and then I studied what? a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I, I moved all my life and I was sort of a pretty boy. And so they'd hassle me. Mm. And, uh, but I studied karate for many years and then just, you know, when I was about 16 or so, I just snapped and I was like, nobody's going to mess with me again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of turned into Wolverine for for a good five years, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, and it was a little, you know, it was a little out of control, but but uh, but it was an important time in my life, and so I wanted to write a movie about when you're young and you're faced with you know untenable situations and the massive pressures, just the anger and the and the ferocity that. Um, that you can fall back on that, mm-hmm. that, that can sometimes help you and can sometimes get in your way. And, and so that's, that's essentially what the reality of the movie is. Okay. Um, but the bigger reality of the movie is Jason Momoa because he is enormous. 
and uh yes. <laughs> jason do, do you know do you know jason no 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 i i've only seen him a couple of times when he's been out here like before right. um he blew up and became the mega star he is like I, i've mm -hmm. seen him around because uh, yeah you frequently see a lot of hollywood celebrities yeah like they're from hawaii they, they'll just be walking around out here it's so it is common like some people be like hey, you, you've seen jason more you've seen uh uh, Max Holloway, I'm like, yeah, they'll, they'll just be walking around. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, I guess it's it's different because some people think it's like surreal to see that, but like when you're living in Hawaii and you're from here, it's like, it's the norm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, especially in Honolulu. I mean, it's not, you know, it's 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 a big city, but it's not yeah. that big a city, and and there's a lot of celebrities that go. And Jason, you know, Jason is a proud Hawaiian son, so I'm not surprised yeah. that he's around quite a bit. Um, I love Jason to death. I mean, I think he's um, you know, he's not only supremely talented and enormously charismatic, but just, just a great dude, you know, yeah. and, and I, you know, being able to hang out with him and call him my friend is, is, uh, is very, very cool. Also, uh, this video of this, of me, we did a Wolves panel at Comic-Con in San Diego mm -hmm. and, um, I introduced him. And if you watch the video, he runs out. And now I'll preface this by saying I'm 185 pounds and I'm six foot one. And he grabbed me by the waist and just lifted me up and went wonk, wonk, wonk. <laughs> like I was an eight year old, you know? And, uh, you know, so it's sort of <laughs> like, you know, when you're a moderately big guy, it's like, you know, hugging him, you're like a child, you know? <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's really, it's really, uh, it's really fun, and he's just—he's just such a kick-ass, awesome guy. So, you know, his family's amazing, and kids are beautiful, and and he's just—he's a good friend. Yeah, awesome, man, awesome. Um, so so you know, I know you wrote the screenplays and 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 for X Men One and X Two, also mm -hmm. the Scorpion King, and you know, we just talked about Wolves, and you also did that for Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, those are amazing accolades and compliments yeah. like how yeah. like when you were working on these projects was it a moment of like surrealness like damn i'm really doing this like <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's constantly surreal i mean like i say i kind of fell into x-men because i knew the director and uh he gave me a shot to to do some writing on the film and i mean so that was my first big movie you know there was a set uh, it, well ended up being an 80 million dollar movie and so mm -hmm. the stuff we were able to do was incredible to see wolverine come together and mystique and all these you know when i was a kid the comic books used to say soon to be a major motion picture and i'd be like 15 going boy i hope whoever gets that doesn't screw it up mm -hmm. and then it was me and and so um so that was entirely surreal uh, i flew up to vancouver while they were shooting watchmen and I walked down that street that's straight out of the comic book and uh, went around a corner and there was the owl ship hanging from a from a crane over the streets. Oh. And I mean, yeah, surreal is the right word for it. <laughs> it it's when when a movie comes together, particularly a very exper expensive movie, you see wonders and things that you can't even imagine. Like, you know, like we built the whole head of the Statue of Liberty in a soundstage in Toronto. Um, wow! So like, yeah, then that's all that's all built, and so the fight with Wolverine and Sabretooth on on top. That's uh, you can probably Google. There's like a picture of me swinging on a rope above the head of the Statue of Liberty, and um, so yeah, stuff like that is it, it, it never gets old. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 very very cool. At the same time, you know, there's so much money at stake, and mm -hmm. there's so much stress on everybody's part to get it right that it's not the you know fun and games that you think it'll be all the time but sometimes it really is or you know sometimes we'll steal professor x's electric wheelchair and then go tooling around the, the studio office <laughs> or something like that and so so that's pretty fun and, and i've noticed that too like with you know those of us in the entertainment in industry and i'm in no way on anywhere in the there is no of there is no comparison any <laughs> Any job in the entertainment industry is worthwhile, and and I I, I count no levels there, so <laughs> no justification needed. But yes, uh, those of us in the entertainment industry. So it's like it, for people that are looking on the outside, like I, you know, 
when I was speaking at uh, you know University of Hawaii Maui College yesterday, the students were saying to me, they're like, oh, you know, your job must be easy being a podcaster or working with the video game industry or, you know, occasionally working with the voice acting industry. I'm like, not it's not easy. It looks easy because you're yeah. seeing like the final product. But right. when you look at the behind the scenes, especially for a, a lot of us, you know, we're basically entrepreneurs, you know, with the things that we do. And, right. you know, we don't have always the security of what like a nine to five will give or what a typical career path will give. And so I was totally. explaining that to the students, like, you know, it's fun, you know, it's really, when you get to do what you love and that's your career. It's amazing. But yeah. there's a lot of stresses that come with it. Like you never know, is this project going to take off? Is this going to be successful? And I think a lot of people that just look from the outside in, they don't get to see that aspect of it. So. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to have sympathy for somebody who's getting paid a bunch of money to write a movie. But at the same time, every job I take could theoretically be the last one, you know, you never yeah. know. And, and it's part of the thrill and the fear of working in this industry is, I don't know how long it's going to go on, but, but it's working right now. So I'm going to keep, <laughs> keep at it, you know? And, uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's stressful. It's incredibly hard work. Like I say, I've, you know, all those movies you mentioned, I've got, I've got 30 others that didn't get made and, and yeah. also took, you know, years worth of work and, and, um, and sweat. Yeah. So, okay. So okay. I hear you. <laughs> so, so, uh, I, I know you've, uh, previously gone by like Sean Barker before. And I know a lot of my friends in the voice acting uh, industry and the acting industry, you know, they have alias names that they've used. Like, is there a reason for that? Uh, yeah, well, for me, um, I mean, I shouldn't really say, but but basically anytime you saw me as Sean Barker in my earlier career, that's a non-union gig. Oh, okay, um, okay. and I was already in the union, so I'm not supposed to do that. But the problem was I was, um, what do you call it? Starving. So, mm -hmm. uh, I needed work. And so a lot of those projects I would, I would put Sean Barker on it. So I wouldn't get in trouble with the guild. Oh, okay. so I apologize to the, to the screen actors guild, but I, I since contributed quite a bit of money to their health plan. So I, hopefully we're good. Okay. 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 But that's why it wasn't, wasn't some. It wasn't because I was like embarrassed to the project or trying to do some sneaky thing or, or, or I guess I was being sneaky, but uh, it was really just self-preservation more than anything. Okay. No, I mean, you know, you have to do what you have to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, so um... now Snake, the first Metal Gear was uh, non-union and I was going to use Sean Barker, but then I saw the game and I was like, this is going to be so huge. I'm using my real name. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad that I did. You know, in speaking of uh, Metal Gear, like Metal Gear. how how was that? Like, you know, the process of being selected for the mess for the, the first Metal Gear Solid back in it, which released in 1998. Correct. How was that? Like, how was the experience like the fan reaction back then to 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 be oh uh how i'm sorry how was the fan reaction or like how, you know what, chosen or well yes yeah, well, yeah it's a multi-layer question <laughs> it's like how how was it to be chosen and how was the fan reaction to you know you're the you are the the voice i don't care what anyone says you're you are snake you know hey, you're your you. big boss well i appreciate that <laughs> um well, it was awesome to be chosen. Uh, I mean, I really needed the money at the time. This is before I was I was making a living. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was cool. Also, like I say, my whole dream of coming out here was to be Batman or Indiana Jones or something. So that was a pretty badass part to get. Like just just purely as a as a gamer fan nerd, I was like, mm -hmm. I recognized that that was an amazing opportunity. Um, you know, uh, and the fan reaction has always been overwhelmingly positive. Like, people are so nice to me and supportive of me on the internet in ways I feel badly for everybody else on the internet. Because, and, and you know, I always joke that it's because they've seen me kill so many people that they remain respectful. But um, they are, the fans are so 
supportive of me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and a lot of that goes to the credit of Hideo Kojima for creating the most groundbreaking games in in video gaming history. And I, I just happened to be at the middle of it. And my character happens to speak for 60, 80 hours in your ear. So, you know, people really, really get attached to Snake and, um, uh, and they love him. And, you know, so the outpouring of love has always been pretty constant. I mean, you know, sometimes I get somebody saying something obnoxious to me, but it's very, very rare. So it's, uh, the the experience has been amazing. I mean, to to, to still go to comic conventions, I'm doing a couple this year and, you know, there'll be lines for, for forever for people that want to come up and talk about this, you know, 22 year old video game. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very fortunate thing. You know, and to, to touch on the, the social media aspect, like, you know, I know for a a lot of my friends in the voice acting industry, you know, social media kind of is a double-edged sword. Like they either get the really like supportive fans or they get the, you know, the trolls or stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. with the advent of social media, like, do you feel like there is, uh, it, it's kind of broken down the barrier between, you know, you as an actor and, you know, producer and writer and being able to speak directly to your audience? Yeah, very much so. I, I mean, that's that's kind of the fun of it for me is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll reach out and speak directly to fans if they have questions and, you know, they can contact me on my Twitter and I you know, uh, it's, and they say all sorts of lovely things to me, or they'll say, you know, I'll be working, they'll announce that I'm working on a movie, you know, based on something they love, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like Voltron or something like that. And they'll be like, Oh, it should be, you know, this, this aspect has to be in it. And, and, you know, and I, at least as a, as a, as a writer, as a creator, I listen to that and I go, Oh, that's not a bad idea if it's a good idea. And, and so, um, so yeah, so I find it, I find it pretty cool. I mean, I haven't, you know, I might change my tune if I directed a star Wars movie or something, (laughs) (laughs) you know, where you just, where you've just got a certain percentage of people that you're just going to piss off. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, and some people were upset over some of the changes to Watchmen that we've made. Mm -hmm. Um, but, I, but, you know, but I, I really don't take any of that too seriously. You know, I, I, I know that people, the fans do get worked up and that they are committed in the same way that I'm committed, in the same way that I'm a fan. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if you're bitching about one of my movies or whatever, I, I really, I'm like, I'm sorry you feel that way. But <laughs> it's not going to alter my day any, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Not, to be, not to be callous, but I, I, I think you have to put that stuff in perspective and just be like, whatever, you know, if you didn't, no, like, it, if you didn't like it, don't don't go see it, you know. No, and I completely agree with you, especially, you know, with being on social media as a as a platform. Like one of the things I was telling students yesterday um, was that you do have to have a layer of thick skin being on social no, media because, no question. you know, if you show that every little thing bothers you. And I've seen a lot of people, it's a lot of my, you know, my friends that are in the industry as voice actors, like they react to every little thing and I'll, I'll just either call them or text them and be like, just stop. Yeah. Stop, stop feeding the trolls. You can't, <laughs> you can't win and they're never going away. I mean, all you can do, if they're really upsetting, you can block them. Uh, yeah. But, but there's never any point in engaging. I learned that when X-Men came out, you know, still the relatively early days of the internet. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember there was a, uh, somebody commented about David Hayter. Oh, David Hayter. He didn't do anything on X-Men. And, you know, he just sat there doing, doing nothing because he was Brian's friend. And I I was like, what? Yeah. So I wrote this kid, you know, I just wrote a direct message back and I was like, you know, I wrote 150 drafts of that film and I don't recall seeing you on set. Uh, and you are hereby disinvited to the premiere. And and then the kid wrote me back and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you're David Hayter. And can I, re- <laughs> can I really come to the premiere? And I was like, no, you misread my my <laughs> my digital approbation, you know? It's uh, so, uh, so then I realized this is some 12 year old who, who read some gossip somewhere or something that thought, thought was true. And I was like, why, yeah. why get, I get bunged up over it. It's just not, not worth it. You know? Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, my opinion is if you're, if, you know, even if you disagree with a movie choice or, or whatever, if you're, you know, if you're respectful about it and you want to talk about it and say, well, here's why I think you were wrong. Here's what I think would have been better. I love having that conversation. It doesn't, doesn't hurt my feelings and, and, you know, maybe make, help me make a different decision in the future. But if you're yeah. a dick about it, then I'll just cut you off and block you. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. And, and it's one of the things like I tell other, you know, content creators, cause I, I also do YouTube and I also mm -hmm. review video games for, you know, various uh, video game companies and, you know, I've had other YouTubers that I've worked with that say, oh, this game is terrible. I'm just going to trash it. Or, oh, this this movie's terrible. I'm just going to trash it. You know, I just want to be, you know, honest and real to my audience. And I keep telling them, like, look, you can be, you can go about it, about it diplomatically. If you don't like something, you can give constructive criticism and feedback. You don't yeah. have to bash it because you're putting out, you know, especially like, you know, with me, when I work with companies, I sign the NDAs. They'll like give me a code or a product for a game and say, hey, review it, you know, but also give us feedback on what's good and what's not about it. So mm -hmm. I give that feedback to them. And if I really like there have been very few games, I'm very selective. Like I only really cover stuff that I'm interested in. Right. Sure. And some of the stuff that I cover, if I there are aspects of it I don't like or if there are games that I don't like. I'll highlight the positive and say, hey, you know, here's some areas I think it could have been improved on or they just slightly missed the mark. Mm. I don't go bashing companies like I've seen some just do that. And then they're like, oh, how come this company's not sending me stuff anymore? Huh? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, yeah, you get you get in your own way. And uh, yeah, that's that doesn't benefit anybody. Um I was going to say something. I, I can't remember what I was going to say, but it'll come, it'll come to me while you're asking me a different question. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, when it came to like voicing uh, Solid Snake and also uh, Big Boss, <laughs> Big like, Boss. like what were like to, to get into the, the, the voice, like, did you have to like, did they give you voice direction of how they wanted Snake to sound or did that was all you? Yeah, that was all me. Uh, in fact, I auditioned with this voice, my voice, mm -hmm. and you know, and I was Solid Snake, and I'm doing this thing. I mean, I was probably like my young hero voice, which you know, like young fighter pilot type of yeah type of dude, so, you know, that sort of thing. And then I got the script, and the script said he was already a legend; he'd already retired, and he didn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so I was 28 at the time, and I was like this guy seems like he's older than me and he seems mm -hmm. like he's a little bitter and it seems like he's tired and yeah. you know, I needed to give it a little more of that sort of Clint Eastwood weight. Yeah. Um, not that I was thinking Clint Eastwood, but just, you know, he's the, he's the graveliest most, you know, yeah. <laughs> iconic <laughs> old soldier that there ever was. So, so, you know, and I felt that my voice was too young, you know, if I did it like this, it just, you know, I'm not going back. I'm, you know, it's it, it, like my voice was more suited for for Raiden, really, that that mm -hmm. type of character. Um, so so it changed while I was reading the script, and then I came in, so I auditioned, and then it was like a couple weeks later that I started recording it. And by the time I started recording it, voice was completely different from what they had cast. Mm -hmm. And uh, halfway through the day, Chris Zimmerman said, "I'm going to play back your audition." So she played it for me, and it was just absolutely diametrically opposed to what I was doing. And I was like, you know, do you want me to go back and do it like the audition? And they're like, no, 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 we love it. Just keep going. <laughs> so um, so that's how it happened. It just came together. Wow. And, and I know you, uh, you know, you did uh, the re-recording, like the entire cast did the re-recording for uh, Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes. Mm -hmm. um, so I know there are some characters that had, you know, changes from the original Metal Gear Solid and with you know cadence and delivery like what was the decision making for that like for changing from metal gear solid to the twin snakes which i think it was a course of four years it was a four-year time gap between or three years i think i i i don't remember how long it was um well that was done because the uh the sound card for the gamecube was better than it was on the original playstation okay so you could hear we didn't really record Metal Gear 1 in a sound 
soundproof stage. We recorded it in a house in Hollywood. So you, wow. could, hear the, you could hear the traffic going by in the GameCube. You put it on the GameCube, you could hear like motorcycles pulling up to the stop sign out, out in Hollywood. And um, so they're like, we have to re-record the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and by then I was asking for a lot more money because I, I'd become a screenwriter and my time was more valuable and I had a little leverage you, you know, to do so, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to pay anybody else any more money. So they were going to replace the whole cast. Um, so I asked, oh. uh, uh, so some people did get replaced, um, but for the core cast of uh, Jennifer Hale and Debbie Mae West and Otacon and Christopher Randolph and Paul Lighting, the Colonel, people like that, mm-hmm. um, I asked Konami, I was like, will you pay me this much money? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, then slice off that much and then split that among the other actors so mm-hmm. that they can at least get a little, you know, they can like double or triple what they got the first time mm-hmm. around um, because they were worth it. And because the game was so good and the actors were so good, I felt like it, it just wouldn't feel the same if it was a whole different cast. I just mm-hmm. thought that would be weird. So, um, uh, so that's why that, that came together the way that it did. Okay. Okay. And um, you're also the voice of Zengetsu in the recent Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And so it falls to me. Yes. <laughs> you did. I, I'm a demon hunter. You did a phenomenal job in that role. And I, oh, I just, want, I just wanted you. to. I, I'm, I, know, I'm very excited. I, I, uh, really? Dude, now yeah. I have to. I keep forgetting to order it, but uh, <laughs> I, or they, I keep waiting for them to send me one. But I also play, I also do the opening introduction in my Ian McKellen voice, which I was very proud of. So if you hear the old English guy at the beginning, that's me as well. Wow. And, you know, I, I just want to ask, like, how did that come about? Like, were you excited to do this project or? You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I was approached by the Kickstarter fund mm-hmm. uh, and they said, it's, you know, it's Koji Garashi. He invented, you know, Metroid games and, and, um, and uh, they wanted to know if I would attach myself as a potential, pro, uh, you know, like they would put me in the game if they raised, you know, $800,000 or so. I think that was the, the limit. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, it sounded, it sounded very cool, a classic game maker. Um, they were going to give me a really cool part. Uh, so I said, yeah. And then they did the Kickstarter and I think it made $2 million in its first weekenders yeah. i mean yeah. just, <laughs> they just made they they blew past my my level so fast um and that just made me more excited because i knew people were excited about it and uh uh and yeah and eventually i mean it took a long time to get the game put together to record it to have it come out it's been a, a process of years really mm-hmm. but um but it was badass and you know again i'm sort of playing the wolverine character there so that's what i love you know awesome Awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, of, of of all the work you've done over the years, you know, with with voice acting, uh, when it comes to recording, you know, is it done typically in separate booths or is it like roundtable recording or uh, in your experiences? It depends on project. Um, mm-hmm. So, like when we did Captain Planet, that was uh, like a big room full of mics that we would do. Spider-Man was the same way. We would all sort of line up at these five microphones and and do the scenes together, uh, which is always better, I think, um, for the performances. So for Metal Gear, I always insisted on, I want the other actors to come in and we do the scenes together and then Mm -hmm. it gives it more life and sounds more real. Um, But when I do, so I play the lead Jedi, light side Jedi player character in Star Wars, the old Republic. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those games where you've got different dialogue choices you can make. So positive, neutral, negative. Um, and so that's recorded. I record that by myself in a booth and, um, and all of the dialogue is not connected into conversations. It's just random bits which mm-hmm. is really a strange way to work but the 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 people um at bioware making the game are so good at it that once they stitch it together it sounds natural and 
um, it, it's got a certain sort of feel to it. It's, it's yeah. Uh, you know, when, when a game is recorded that way. So it's, you know, it's, it's always different, um, okay. but it's always fun. Okay. You know, and we're winding down to the last couple of questions. I want to be very respectful of your time. Um, already? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, well um, you know, uh, we've actually just, like, I kind of, I was looking at my list of questions. I'm like, wow, we've been rolling through them. Like, just because they're all through yeah <laughs> so um you, you know you uh one of the things i like, i really want to ask and just want to doubt like delve more into you you know mm -hmm. as an individual versus the things you've worked on but what are some of the things that you enjoy to do personally outside of your work you know as an actor producer director that you know the audience may or may not know about you like what are your passions? What do I do? Well, I, I uh, started playing the guitar about 10 years ago, like like mm -hmm. every middle-aged guy, and, and uh, I love that. Um, you know, I love movies. I just recently got obsessed with the uh, Joe Bob Briggs show on Shudder, where mm -hmm. he, you know, takes you through the minute details of weird horror movies. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I, I, you know, I love to travel around the world. I was just in Maui last month uh, with my daughter and saw a humpback whale that was cool i do a lot of scuba diving i scuba mm -hmm. dive you know i've been all over the world in asia and europe and the states and canada and uh and i love that and uh you know i just like traveling around the world and having adventures and you know climbing up on things i'm not supposed to climb on and diving <laughs> diving down to you know diving with sharks and water skiing in tropical locales and um that's that's pretty much what I like to do, you know. Anything fun, I'm down. I do a lot of escape rooms with my my daughter. She's about to turn sixteen, and so we do mm -hmm. uh, we do. You know, I took her to Sydney and uh, Perth last year, and we did like amazing escape rooms there, and that was pretty fun. Awesome, awesome. So, I do all sorts uh, of crap. So, so you like to hike? So, don't really like to hike. Now, hiking. <laughs> Hiking is just a euphemism for, for difficult walking, I have found. Um, but I do, uh, you, you know, like we go to Kauai or something, we go up to the top of the, you know, the Grand Canyon of Kauai, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's so beautiful. And so I sort of like to drive to those places and then walk around, but, but mm -hmm. uh, hiking itself, I can live with that. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, some of the uh the voice actors from fire emblem there i'm friends with they stayed with us and uh even uh, i'm not sure if you you know ruben langdon the voice of dante from devil may cry and came from street fighter oh no no i know the uh, i know the the characters but uh, but i don't know the actor personally okay like so they you know every time they come out to hawaii they stay with uh my wife and i and nice like in in our like at our house like the background of our house you see like diamond head crater and then there's coco head the other uh nice. huge mountain there wow. and so they're like yeah we want to do you know we want to go and go on a really nice hike and we're like you can go there to diamond head when that's not that difficult it's kind of like a just an elevated walk or you can go and do coco head where it's uh we, we don't really recommend that if you don't want something too strenuous and they're like, no, we're going to do Coco head. We're just going to go. Right. And I'm like, are you sure? Like my wife and I, we're just trying to warn them. Like, are you sure? We yeah, only ever brutal. <laughs> Cause it, it goes, and this is for the audience that doesn't know, like it goes from uh, just straight and then it curves. And then the last half of it is a straight vertical. Wow. And yeah, that is, that's not for me. <laughs> So I'd rather like, take a helicopter to the to the top and and look around and then get back in the helicopter, go get lunch. Exactly. You know, I, I the first time I did it, you know, because I, I grew up out here and like the first time I did it, which is also the last time I've ever done it, because I never <laughs> intend to do it again. Right. I remember like 30 minutes into the hike, I asked my wife, Lehua, and I'm like, are we there yet? She's like, you see that? And I'm like, yeah, that's far away. She said, that's where we're going. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that, that's where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we get up to the top and I'm like, cool. How are we getting down? Is there a helicopter or something? She's like, no, we got to 
go all the way back down. Like it took us three hours to get up here. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that 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 ain't happening. We we took a hike um in Kauai to go see these waterfalls and Mm-hmm. It was a long. Well, not only that, it was like this huge river. We had to kayak down this river and all the way down yeah. there, and then just miles of hiking back to these waterfalls. And then the waterfalls were spectacular. It was well worth seeing, but I don't know if it was worth the cost of uh, all the uh, exercise to get there. So, and it stays with you. <laughs> it's like it stays with you, and and well, and then the kayaking on the way back was straight into the wind. So that was like re- like two hours. <laughs> it was brutal so i try to avoid those things if i can i'm i i've probably gotten soft i like a cushier lifestyle <laughs> no worries about that so so uh you say you you play guitar you've gotten into that within the last 10 years like like how has that experience been like are you loving it have you built up all the calluses yet on your i have i have a built calluses i'm i'm not particularly good at you know jason momoa mm-hmm. picked up the guitar like five years before I met him and he's a virtuoso. I mean, like, he's just amazing. He'll just play like blues guitar, like a master. And me, I'm barely courting my way through, you know, uh, Foo Fighters or something. But, um, but I really do love it. And it, 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 when it's really, when you're really rocking out, it, it's a, it's a totally different brain from your writing brain. Yeah. which is really good for me. It, it really helps me sort of get into, you know, sort of let go of all, all the stuff I have to deal with and all the millions of ideas I have to come up with and, and just sort of be in the moment. And uh, so, yeah, I really love it from that perspective. But, but Jason really annoyed me with his superb <laughs> talent. I was like, oh, my God, have you been playing since birth? And he's like, no, dude, I just picked it up five years ago. Like, what? What? <laughs> And you're handsomer than me. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't accept that. Well, it's it's the one thing too. Like for it, you know, for the audience who may not be musicians, like when you start playing music, especially when you you get the handle of it, and you get into like this this state of being where it's like the music takes you on a journey, and you're just the avatar that it's going through. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> the first time it happened. I, I was playing my electric guitar, and I was playing. I don't know what I was playing. Probably like Stone Temple Pilots or something. And it just it just had the riff and it just came together. And it was like, it's like I got dizzy, you know? It was just like sort yeah. of washed over me. I was like, I'm in the rock, you know? And <laughs> it was, a, it's an amazing, it's amazing, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I started to understand why musicians, I think it's difficult for some of them to, to communicate with people because they just live in that river of creativity yeah. and, and rhythm and it's, you know, once you're there, you're like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to reduce <laughs> reduce these feelings to words. I just want to play, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's really cool. I got a, a little band that I play with in Toronto sometimes, um, nice. and they'll let me go up and sing and play guitar. And and they're you know they're real musicians. They really play beautifully. But I you're can, one too. I can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I get by. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I get by sort of, you know, power chord through and they let me play Green Day or, or whatever. And I get to howl out my frustrations. And and uh, there and man, there's a few things in life better than that. I'm playing for a pub full of people in Toronto and they're all cheering and it's pretty kick ass. <laughs> so it's a it's a nice, nice hobby to have. OK, so since we're on the topic of music, like what are some of your favorite genres of music and favorite groups or bands or singers oh well um let's see uh, well my Any favorite, era <laughs> the most i mean the most impact on my life and my personality and everything was probably david bowie um ziggy stardust <laughs> ziggy stardust you know i i uh you know he just had such confidence and magic about him so as far as music goes uh you know the other huge influence on me would have been prince um hmm. you know i was a teenager when purple rain came out and uh again the magic of his charisma and confidence and ridiculous talent magical talent mm-hmm. um had a huge impact on me and uh, uh so i mean really you know not that I was a musician at the time, so I couldn't really use it in that way. But as an actor, just watching, I mean, both of them as actors as well, Bowie and Prince, like they were both mm-hmm. amazing actors. And and so 
that you know just that just that personal magic that they that they had mm -hmm. um and it's so tragic that they're not around anymore uh yeah. those those two really shaped me a lot um and then there's things i love like i say i love green day i love foo fighters i love you know rock and roll but i've been i've been getting a lot into you know 70s funk and you know just uh because i grew up you know i was just a white boy from canada and then you know but then i you know i watched guardians of the galaxy or something and they're they're playing the rubber band man and i'm like wow oh, god i love that <laughs> so so i've been trying to expand my horizons and and uh i like a lot of rap and actually i'm i'm working on a or trying to set up a project with uh with will i am right now wow um, based on a comic book that he created so i've been hanging out with him a lot and you know he's mm -hmm. a he's a genius and i'm just such a massive fan of his and 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 he's a fan of mine so that's really cool awesome. <laughs> you know so uh yeah yeah so i i mean i like i like all kinds of things Awesome, awesome. And we're down to the last two questions. Again, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, one of the uh, last questions I want to ask you uh, is, how does it feel knowing that, you know, the, I guess, geek culture, you know, comic books, video games, like stuff that, you know, you and I, we're actually closer in age than, no, you may not. You I may doubt or... that you look like a very young person. <sighs> Everyone says I have a baby face. I'm in my, I'm I'm older than I look. All right. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's not discuss how collectively old we might be, but understand <laughs> you're looking pretty good, Mikel. Thank you. Like, um, how, how does it feel? Like for me, it's surreal to realize that you know stuff I grew up on, comic books, video games, you know, have become like mainstream like pop culture because i remember back when it wasn't cool to openly be into stuff like that or even you know dungeons and dragons like i, I was talking yeah. about that with my friend uh luke gygax the son of the creator of dungeons and dragons and he's like yeah it's it's super surreal <laughs> it is surreal well yeah uh, yeah it was totally you know such a niche niche nerdy thing when i was a kid to to read comic books or whatever i mean you know star wars went a long way towards mainstreaming that sort of thing mm -hmm. um and then you know and then i i got to play my own role in in helping to bring x-men about which really brought um comic book movies that weren't superman or batman to the to the screen and so uh and then over the past 20 years, it just exploded. And I, you know, I love it because, because the nerds, you know, we're dreamers and we're, and, and a lot of times people are, you know, I got into it when I was 12 and people were still pushing me around. So I'd like read about like brave heroes that could take care of whatever situation. And that was inspiring to me. And so, you know, I go to comic cons now and there's a hundred thousand people who feel you know, misunderstood or they got stresses in their lives or whatever, and they get strength and courage and, and, and um, encouragement from the pieces that they love, from the heroes that they've got, from playing Snake, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a reason to make these things. It's not just, you know, an attempt to make money or, or to sell products or whatever, you know, for some people it is, but, but for me, I feel like, I always wanted Snake, you know, when you, I always wanted people, to, when you play Snake and you step into his skin, you can handle anything, you yeah. know, and it might, you know, and it might be the end of the world and you might be facing a giant walking battle tank, but God damn it, you can handle it. Yeah. And I wanted people to be able to have that experience so that hopefully you can take a measure of that into your own life and face up to the the realities the hard realities that we have to face up to so so i think it's really it's it for, it's an amazing time to be a, a fan and and in the genre culture and and i really am very um happy that that people find so much love and and, and joy in it awesome awesome and you know the the last question before we we end this um 
what advice would you give to the fans and the audience here that would love to, you know, do some of the things you're doing or just to get into the entertainment industry? Well, I would say, uh, like I say, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it, it does sound dreamy to, to, to do all these things and it is, um, but it took me eight years before I was making any real money. I, you know, I was very poor and, and when I, you know, by the time I was 28, I was like, I might've made a mistake, you know, cause I wasn't, cause I'm not qualified to do anything else other than do voices and make up stories. So, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I might have to quit and, and, you know, get a real job and, you know, some menial labor job or something. So, um, but I would say if you truly love it, if you have a fire to do it that cannot be quenched, um, I would come to Los Angeles or New York or where, where it's happening. It's tough to do. It's tough to, you can, you can become a voiceover actor or, or an actor or whatever in any major town. They've always got radio spots and stuff, but you'll never make a living really unless you're in, Yeah. you know, you could be in Toronto, Vancouver, LA, New York. I mean, those are pretty much the main, there's a lot going on in Atlanta right now. Um, but I would go to a major center. I would take lessons, like all kinds of lessons, not just to make yourself better, but to meet other people in your community. Because the real key to this whole thing is you get to know people and they mention you to other people and you're, you get invited to a party and you're talking to a director and they're like, Oh, you know, you'd be good for such and such. And, you know, my my friendship with Jennifer Hale got me. I mean, she claims it got me Snake, but it definitely got me Star Wars: <laughs> The Old Republic. And um, you know, just knowing people that are in the industry helps you understand how to navigate it better and mm-hmm. opens up opportunities for you. So take <clears throat> lessons, work hard. Don't expect that it's going to be easy. Um, and and as long as you love it, stick with it. But if you find that you don't love it and it's and it's beating you down do something else you know you know and and i also want to say thank you uh not only for coming on the show but you know one of my best friends is actually gerald c rivers and you know oh he told my me, god i love gerald yeah he, he, he's telling me last year when i was because i i went to my wife and i we went to e3 last year and uh yeah. we stayed with uh gerald for oh, nice. a couple of days that we were there and he was telling me like how you you know, you helped him you know with his oh, you know yeah. with the convention and he's like you know you showed him ropes and you know He's a little nervous, but you helped him out there. And I, man, he, he's, he's such an awesome guy. And just uh-huh. th- thank you for that, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's so, that's, that's very kind of you to say. And, and yeah, he, Gerald, I was there for his first one, you know, he, yeah. he's like, I've never done this before and I'm freaked out. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I remember my first <laughs> time I was like, what am I doing here? And I'm going to sell my autograph for money. And this just, just seems weird. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And uh, yeah, me and Cam Clark, Liquid Snake, we gave him a bunch of tips and, you know, and it's like, it's not difficult. You you sit down, somebody else handles the money, you meet 4,000 people and you're nice to them and you sign autographs. And then you go out and ha- you have drinks with, with M. Bison or, or, <laughs> or Liquid Snake or Solid Snake or whatever. And it's, 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 a, it's a great time. So yeah, I really like Gerald a lot. Please, please give him my very best. And, and thank you for telling me that. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, with that being said, I lied. I have one final question for you. Yeah, go for it. Did you have fun? I had a blast, man. <laughs> I had a blast. This was really, really fun. And thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, mahalo and much love to Oahu. I, I miss all of you. And uh, <laughs> and let's uh, let's do it again sometime. Definitely, man. Uh, I mean, anytime you come out here, if you come out here to Oahu, uh, you ever need a place to stay, you know, Thank it, you. it seems like, I, you know, my wife and I, our place is, is like anytime our actor or voice actor friends come out here, we're, they're like, yeah, we're going to go out here. We're going to stay at this hotel. I'm like, no, we're right here by Waikiki. We have a right. big house. Just stay with us. So everyone just stays with us. Normally, I here. normally I would would never do that. I, I would just get a, a hotel. But your view sounds too good to uh, <laughs> give up. So uh, I will I will bear that in mind. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. And uh, with that being said, people, you'll be able to catch this episode of the Casanova Podcast as well as many others on every platform. 
from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and also in video format on YouTube and Twitch. And with that being said, all the links for my guests, the iconic and legendary David Hader, will be down in the description below. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one, David. It was such an honor to have you on the show. Mahalo. Uh well, it, it was my the honor was mine, and everybody, please check out Warrior Nun in the near future on Netflix, and uh, and mahalo to you as well, Mikhail. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And with that being said, people, this is David and I. We are signing out. You all have a good one. Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Casanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did, and since you did, and you're wondering where else you can find it. You can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, it includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you liked, what you didn't like, and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on YouTube.com slash Casanova, as well as on Twitch.tv slash Casanova, and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great one.